We're going to take you on a journey. Look, to be honest, there was two days I laid on my bathroom floor. I can't believe I'm crying already. I can't imagine the grief of a parent who loses a child. And you be the greatest version of you, then, then I feel like my work is done. Hi, I'm Tam Wrigley and welcome to the Beyond Beautiful journey. Often we're stuck in a job purely for financial security and it doesn't light our fire or serves our purpose. That's where our guest found herself 15 years ago and one little comment from her husband changed her path forever and led her to where she is today. She's had highs, she's suffered lows, she's suffered loss and heartbreak, yet she has come through shining and now is the food editor at Nine Honey. Welcome to the couch. Jane, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing with this series. It's absolutely beautiful. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. I um, I loved your, you sent me a little, uh, a bit of an intro on you about how you yourself switch off from social media. So you actually yeah. delete, which I just thought was amazing. And I blame my husband <laughs> for this, right? Because it was getting in the way of, of our life. I, like I work in media all day, every day. I look at Instagram all the time. I'm constantly on Facebook. It's where we find a lot of our stories. Mm. It's where we share a lot of opinions and gather other people's opinions. And it was quite seriously, and, I, and I'm devastated that I have to admit this to anybody because I thought I had it under control. And then I realized I, I really didn't. Like mm. I honestly didn't. I would disappear into the bathroom and then stay in there for an extra five minutes, you know, just standing in front of the mirror, scrolling through my phone. And I'd come out and my husband would be like, where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> like seriously, didn't hear the shower running yeah. uh, sort of thing. And, and I knew I was in trouble when my now seven-year-old looked at me one day and he was like, get off Instagram, mummy. Mm. And when your child says that to you, you go, okay, one, he's heard his dad say it to me too often and two, it's the truth. Mm. And you, what am I missing? Yeah. You, you, know? you said a comment, like there was a, quite a, a big conversation that your husband had with you. Yeah. What can you... Okay, so th there's been a couple. The first, It started with we would go out to dinner and because I write about food, I take my phone with me, I take lots of pictures, I take pictures of the menu, pictures of the food, all that kind of stuff just for, for my own use. And it started um, quite a while ago now and we would sit down at dinner and if it wasn't related to work, if we were just out at dinner, he would go, give me your phone. Mm. And I would be, I would freak and out. It's like cutting but your right arm off. Yeah, no, you can't, you, why? Well, you don't need my phone. And he was like, well, you're not documenting anything tonight. Give me your phone. And he wouldn't just take it and like put it face down on the table. He'd take it away wow. and just be like, I just want to be here with you. And I want to know that you're not thinking about all the things that this could be and just, mm. just be here in, in the moment. And I did get used to that. And I got better at not even getting my phone out if it wasn't work related and all that kind of stuff. But I was getting so wound up on weekends with trying to catch up with everything and make sure I was across everything that I would get like anxious and sad looking at Instagram and I know how it works I know that it's a curated look at people's lives I do it all the time but that doesn't stop it affecting you and it can affect you quite deeply and I would wake up in the morning happy as anything look at my wonderful life that we've worked very hard to create beautiful children wonderful husband 10 minutes into Instagram feel like oh, I'm not doing enough I'm not getting mm. up and going out I'm not taking a sunrise photo I'm not doing all these things and he could see me getting anxious and so it was again it was his suggestion to delete the app from my phone over the weekend he was like I get that you need it for work yeah and it's a wonderful tool and it's lots of fun but if you can't regulate it yourself mm. take the temptation away yeah and we had a fight about it I was like I've deleted it off my phone he goes You've deleted it off that phone, but I know you've got another phone and it's still on that phone. <laughs> you've got a spare well, one like stashed. Multiple phones. This sounds like terrible addiction, doesn't it? 
But I did. I had multiple phones. I had a work phone and a private phone, and I deleted it off one and not the other. Just in that minute when, oh, if they've gone to the shops, I'll just check Instagram. Mm. Because I just get rid of it. Mm. And it was hard. It's an addiction. It's a proper addiction. Mm. Especially I knew I had a real problem when I closed the app one day and instantly opened it again. Yeah. Just as a reflex. And yep. then I was like, hang on a second. What am, what am I doing? And so I had a break from work in January and Ash said to me, just delete it off everything and leave it off for the whole week, not just the weekend. Wow. Leave it off for the whole week. I went to the beach by myself and I rang him and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> I'm bored. And he, I said, what do I do? And he goes, you put your phone down and you look at the sky and mm. listen to the waves. Mm. And it took a couple of days, but then I was like, I've, I've got this. And mm. as long as you make that decision and go with it, it's so refreshing. And then when you come back, there's stuff you haven't seen and it's interesting again and it's funny again. But do you go back to that whole, uh, the fear of I've missed out? I, I did at first and now I know myself that there's so much stuff going on all the time that even if you're looking at it all the time, you're still missing stuff mm. anyway. So mm. you might as well get used to it and just be like, all right, well, I'm going to choose the times when I'm doing this and not do it as a reflex, yeah. which I was really into like it, it, you'd be zone. You'd be amazed, I think, how many hours you could just sit there and scrolling through. Have you seen the apps on your phone that tell you how much time you've no, spent? No, I, I won't look. <laughs> Don't look because I looked and my husband was like, see, Instagram? Look at that. And yep. I was like, whoa. And then, if you've, and then you've, you've stopped looking at Instagram and then you're on Facebook. Yeah. And then you go back to Instagram. Yeah, oh, I saw that on Facebook. But it's also on Instagram. And yep. as you know, they're not that diverse that mm. you would really be seriously missing out if you didn't no. didn't look. So it was hard. I'm really glad I did it. And it, I think it just made it really evident to me that I had a proper problem. Yeah. And I was like, no, I can switch this off any time. And it, it is, it's really addictive. To set a challenge. Yeah, I see how long I can go for. Well, but like to Australia. Yeah. Do like the, you know, blackout Everybody. social media on the oh, weekend challenge. I saw, I saw this great, I love memes because they're clever wordplay. And so that's one of the reasons I'm a bit of addicted, addicted <laughs> to social media because there's, you know, great memes. And one of the really funny ones I saw recently was, imagine that Instagram ceased to exist and boom, you are no longer a model. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's, that's how a lot of people feel. They're like, yep. they feel that they're validated by this thing and if it's taken away. Or they're validated by the likes and the comments and, you know, yeah. that's like, that, that's what they look at. They post a photo and it's, oh, how many likes did I get? How many comments yeah. did I get? How engaging was that post? And, and it's, so go and have a chat to someone. That's yeah. validating too. Yeah. And I can say that because I was in that hole mm. and not that long ago, like earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. And I've sort of, I've pulled myself out now and I can go for whole days believe it or not without looking at Instagram or social media now mm. but it was it had to I had to actively take control of it yeah because it doesn't makes you anxious and it makes you sad and it stops you appreciating the things that you have because I think that what everyone forgets and I've seen it with my sister because she has um she has bipolar and so she is not on social media very much because she doesn't cope with it very yeah. well and I thought I was coping with it fine but even I was having having mm. problems with it. I can remember saying to her when she was finding it um, was giving her anxiety. I said to her, "You do realize not everyone's on holidays. They just look like they're on holidays because we're only posting a picture the of stuff. the good stuff." Yeah, yeah. And and I knew that, and I would say that to her, and still not take it on myself. Yeah. So I think people forget that. And if you just took snapshots of your own life and really curated it and put it on Instagram, your life would look pretty fabulous. Mm, you mm. know, because most of us have beautiful things in our lives people that we love things that we do pretty bowls of funny food like you, you can yep. make your life look amazing but do you want to spend all that time curating that rather than just enjoying it there seems to be a trend now on social media that these people that have have put themselves out there you know as this reality mm. um 
are now switching it around to then now talking openly about how they the suffer, yeah, anxiety, the depression, and it seems to be a shift now that it's coming back to, well, let's talk about how sad we really are, or how yeah. depressed we really are, or how anxious, and yeah, there's just which I think is good because yeah. that discussion absolutely needs to be had, mm. especially if people are putting one image out there when really they're struggling with their own yep. internal demons. I think having that discussion is so important. But I worry that sometimes it's misused mm. and that it's just a way of, especially with the body positive ones, I struggle. I love, there's a couple of people that, that I adore. Lindy Cohen, I'm looking at you. She does great body positive stuff. She's a nutritionist mm. and she, she does the thing where she shows you the Instagram post shot and then the reality. Wow. Okay. Same yeah, in yeah. the same in yeah. the same thing. And it's that is incredibly empowering. But I do find that there are other accounts that just use talking about body positivity as an excuse to post a highly curated picture anyway mm. and just that. And they're like, oh, look at all my flaws. I'm like, you don't, you don't have any flaws. Mm. And that skews it as well. So it's great that we're having those discussions, but then Being I the right watch it being, yeah. you know, and that's the way it's going too now as well. So mm. I'm, like, I'm such a fence sitter on this one because I love social media, but I hate social media and yep. I think it's great and I think it's the devil and, <laughs> you know, like all these kinds of things. I just think it's it's good for everyone at some point to let go mm. and realise that there's, there's a real a world out there, exactly. <laughs> you know, mm. and it can, it can really tie you up in knots. It does. I want to take you back to, say, maybe 15 years ago. I think there's a lot of people in Australia that fall into a job because it's financial security yeah. and it's not really what they love and not their passion. And this was, I think, where you were about 15 years ago. Yeah, 100% my experience. Yeah. Um, so when I was at school, I, I've always been a writer. I love writing. I love words. I love telling stories. But equally, my family is a very foodie family. We love food. Mm. I mean, lots of families do. Cooking together, eating together, talking about the next meal when you haven't finished yeah. this one. You know, and and I couldn't figure out how to marry the two together because I would say I love food and they'd be like, oh, I'll be a, you know, be a food technologist or be a chef. And I was like, no, I don't actually want to do those things. Oh, Jane's going to be a journalist or Jane's going to be a writer. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of I haven't found what I want to say yet and I didn't feel like I had something specific to say. And so I went off and I did uni and I did media at uni and loved it and kind of ended up doing radio by accident because I was told I was good at it yep. and I ended up doing promotions in radio. And I did it for a long time and I was burning out because when you're, you're young, you do those very high energy jobs. And I was yep. getting to a point where I was like, I'm really, really not happy. And I used to read the food pages of the newspaper obsessively, like every weekend, you know, what's the hottest restaurant? What's this chef doing? What, what's that chef doing? And I loved it, but I always felt that there were deeper stories that were sometimes sometimes missed. And this is, this is one of my favorite stories. I was reading the newspaper one weekend and I sort of rolled my eyes and sort of made a huffy kind of sound and my partner, who is now my husband, he was like, what's what's going on there? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just feel like there was more to that story. And I know that, that journalists are bound by column lengths and all those kinds of things, I get it, but I felt like there was more to the story. I was like, oh, I wish I could be doing that job and exploring those stories. And he looked at me point blank, not a trace of irony, nothing, he was like, why not? Mm. And I went, yeah, whatever. Yes. Stop it. That's very sweet, darling. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, no, no, no. Somebody's doing that job. Why not Why you? Not you? Mm. And it was his faith in my ability to do it that made me go, hang on a second, maybe I could. And we sort of devised this plan of how I would change direction in my career. And it was a really scary time because I did jump right off the deep end. I had a very secure job. I was making decent money. You know, we had plans for the future. We wanted to get married. We wanted to have kids and all this kind of stuff. And I could have stayed in that job and been unhappy but very secure and done a lot of really incredible stuff. I worked with incredible people, did lots of fun things, um, but 
with his support and somebody really believing in you, because you can believe in yourself all you yeah. want, but you're not going to necessarily push yourself, you know. And and he was like, no, no, we'll give it this time frame and I think you should do it. Send some writing out, you know, hunt for some work, see, see what happens because I think you can do it and somebody's doing it. It exists as a job. Mm. And so I went, oh, okay, sent some samples of writing off. I was, I was picked up quite quickly, which was really, really nice. And then I had to make the very scary decision of leaving full-time work to be a freelance mm. writer. How did that make you feel? Like, I was terrified. Mm. I was so scared and I would lie awake at night when, you, you know, when you're pitching for work and chasing invoices, which every freelancer knows is, is hard graft in itself. All that kind of stuff and I would lie awake at like two o'clock in the morning thinking, is it ever going to be enough? Am I ever going to feel like I'm doing this right? Yeah. Because you're constantly chasing, especially in the early days. And I would lie there at two o'clock in the morning and go, oh my God, I've made the worst decision. I should have just stayed in the comfortable, safe, safe yep. zone. And there were a couple of years of really, really hard work where I had to, you know, be my own boss, go and find the stories, do a lot of physical labour to go and collect all this information and stuff. But it, it paid off with the support of my partner. He was like... You know, are you still happy? Is this, is, are these still the stories you want to be telling? I was like, yes. And that passion for telling those stories was, I think, the thing that carried me through and his support. And now I'm doing what I do. I'm a food editor. I love what I do. I talk to chefs all day. I cook things for, for funny people on TV. Like, you know, I couldn't have ended up in a better position, but I had to make that really scary jump mm. first and it was terrifying. Mm. But I would say to anybody that's thinking about doing it, if you have someone to support you, because there are dark times, yeah. there are times when you think you've made a bad decision, but if you have someone that supports you and you think you can do it, go for it. Don't be the person that goes, I what should've. if, or yes. would, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda mm. kind of thing. And, and that was the, aside from him having huge belief in me, we just made this decision that we were going to be the people that took the leap mm. because they're the people that succeed. Yeah. You'll never get to do what you want to do unless you take that risk. Mm. And it was I, think a big that, risk. I think that's the one thing that stops a lot of people following their dreams is yeah. it's the fear of the unknown. It's yeah. the fear of what if I fail? It's the fear of, you know, I've got no money, you know. Yeah. It's like, how do you... We did it in a really pragmatic kind of way where, happily, he's a very pragmatic man. Um, and he sort of went, well, we can sustain it for this long mm. or you can sustain it for this long and then you'd have to get a real job. <laughs> um, and so we went, okay, but we, we, we mapped it all out and we went, we're... I'm willing to give it this much time, energy and finance because, yep. you know, you're leaving good money to potentially earn nothing. nothing. Um, we'll give it this long and then if it's not working, you've tried. And there's no, there's nothing bad about trying and not succeeding because you've learned and you know. Do you find though that that's probably like my biggest thing is like is that fear of failure and the fear of what people are going to say if you don't like yeah you know like it's like okay I've I've left real estate to do what yeah, I am doing because that's exactly what you yeah, did you yeah. were, were you scared yes and I'm still scared that people if I don't make this work yeah then people I think it's that whole people will talk about you or they'll you know yeah. like that negativity behind oh, she failed at that but do you know what else I, I learned <laughs> in later years was no one cares mm. they really like you think they're talking about you mm. and again this the husband baby no one cares no one's, <laughs> no, no one's you think they're looking at you no one's looking at you yeah you know and I think when we realize that we're not the center of like we're the center of our own universes mm. and we have to believe in ourselves but nobody else is looking at you nobody else is talking to you they've all got their own problems that they're yeah, dealing yeah. with and once you because I, I did have that real fear, especially when I was in the thick of the hard yards, when I was really like, oh, I'm just never going to make enough money doing this or my time is, <laughs> I'm getting paid so little for all the time that I'm putting into this or whatever. Um, I think once you realise that 
people will only respect you for trying, for pursuing your dream. Mm. They're not really going to judge you because they've got too much other stuff of their own going on. I think then I let go. Yeah. I sort of went, well, if I have to go back to a full-time job, who's going to know? They'll just yep. think that that's something that I'm chose that to I'm do. doing, that yeah, I chose yeah. to do. They're not they're not going to know. Yeah. And I'm in, a, I'm in a full-time job now. I just happen to be doing what I wanted to do. Yes. Which, is, which is fortunate because I stopped freelancing in the end because that time of my life was over as well and mm. I had an opportunity to do what I wanted to full-time. And freelancing is great, but that period of my life was over. Yep. And then now the uh, Nine Honey food editor, how did that all come about? <laughs> so this is, again, another point of real fear in my life was um, one of the reasons I started freelancing in the first place was so that I could have children mm. and continue to work because I love what I do. I genuinely love it. And I would have gone crazy being at home with just children because that's that's my nature. And um, so I, I wanted to keep working. but. Freelancing when children are very, very little is, was for me, I can't say for everyone, was for me, that was actually not too hard because babies mm. sleep if you're lucky. <laughs> and, you know, you've got windows of time to do things and they, they, don't, they don't demand as much attention as a toddler. Yep. And so once I hit the toddler stage with kids that needed attention, I, I didn't feel like when I was working at home that I was either giving my work enough attention or my children enough attention. So mm. I felt like I was doing both things really poorly yep. instead of one or, or both of them really, really well. And so we started thinking about... Um, looking for full-time work, but I was only in that stage of thinking about it. Mm. I didn't really want to go down that path. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready. Part of me felt like it would be a defeat because I was no longer a freelancer and in charge of my own world, yeah, yeah. you know, all those things. And the role of food editor at what was then just Nine Digital, Honey didn't exist yet, mm. um, it came up and was, and I ended up in discussions about it with someone and the opportunity was there. And again, husband was like, what? Why not? Yeah. And I was like, but I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready. I'm re I know we talked about it, but I was thinking like months down the track. Years. You know, like years. Years, years and years. And again, having a supportive partner, it's not the answer to everything, but it certainly helps. Mm. And he said to me, well, why not give it a go? And if it doesn't work, yeah. you just pull the plug. Like it's not, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a bad thing. Give it a go. You don't want to be that person that didn't give it a go and let this incredible opportunity go. So it was actually slightly too early for me emotionally. Mm. But it was definitely the right thing for our family and, you know, for, for career progression mm. and things like that. And again, I did the two o'clock in the morning thing. I lay in bed, clutching my then two-year-old, sleep, beautiful little thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be sending you to daycare. Am I making the right decision? But he was ready. Mm. You know, I couldn't give him the socialization at home that he needed. And it was about me holding on to something that I thought I needed, which was to be a freelancer yeah. and to be a working mum at home and to be all these things that other people And I think thought. we've brought up in... we brought up in society that, you know, the women do stay at home and yeah. they do look after the children until those children are ready to go to prep or grade one. Yeah. So to have that um, decision process, I guess, thrown in. I was kind of yanked out of yeah. my, my control. I was like, oh, oh. But they went, well, this is this opportunity. The only way you can make it work is to do these, these other yeah. things. And I was like, and I felt like, am I a failure? Mm. Sending my child off to daycare. Just to be very clear, he absolutely thrived, thrived mm. in that environment. Um, and I almost feel like looking back on it, I was like, was I holding him back by like yeah. clutching on to him? He's just that kid that yeah. needs to, to be out and, and yeah. doing things. And I think it is that. Like I remember I've always been a working, like I, I, yeah. I have two children, but I've never really been the mum. Yeah. And I remember we put Ashton into daycare at 12 months because we were still running a business. Did you, did, did you feel judged for that? I did a little, but I remember the first day him... And I'm like, you know, tears opening the gate and he's just walked, see you, oh, yeah, bye. bye. It's like he didn't yeah. even exist. You're I'm like, just like <laughs> come back. Like you disloyal little so-and-so. 
<laughs> but yeah. you know, he again, yeah. he loved it's that whole social interaction with the other kids, and he loved it, and he thrived. Yeah, and he never looked back. And again, you've got to do what's right for mm. your family and your kids. And I think, whether as women, we beat ourselves up so mm. much because of this perceived idea of what we should be. And my mum was, you know, was a super mum, was yeah. that sort of working at home because she worked from home as well she ran mm. her own business so that was the example that I'd been set as well and I sort of felt like going into an office was almost a failure in a sense when it really wasn't yeah. it was just where our family needed to be mm. at that time and and to be honest um and I know everybody's different so I, I can only make the judgment for myself but I am a much better mother when I have things of my own yeah. when I go away and do something and get to be the Jane outside of being a mum then when I'm home I'm all mum yeah. I'm not half here and half mm. there until mm. I start looking at my social media uh, no no <laughs> when no, she's no. reinstalled it yeah, exactly, exactly no 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 but then when I'm home I'm mum and mm. I'm not trying to be freelance mum at home mm. writing and you know fitting in 10 minutes writing here and there so it was actually for the health of our family and again this is very personal to our situation I'm a better mother when I go away, burn off the energy that I need to professionally and then come back mm. and can be, you know, so true. mum at home, mm. You're cooking cakes and yeah. wearing sweatpants, whatever it is, <laughs> you know. Your biggest champion passed away recently, well, yes. probably about four years ago now with yeah. um, ovarian cancer. How did that impact? Okay, so my, I'm going to get teary. Yeah. I, can't, I can't help it. So, so it's been three and a half, nearly four years since my mum passed away um, and like my husband, she has been one of my biggest supporters. She just always believed. She was very much that mother that was like, if you put your mind to it, I believe you can do it. Um, and she was one of the reasons I love to cook. She's a wonderful foodie mum, always exploring in the kitchen. And we, we just had this little saying between us was just be, be intrepid in the kitchen, you know, like just always explore. Mm. It doesn't matter if it goes wrong. Food goes wrong. Yep. Just, you know, Add some more salt. <laughs> yeah, try it again. If the ingredients are good, it doesn't look great, but it tastes amazing, you know. And she she mm. was my biggest supporter and she, she helped me with the transition of my career in terms of just believing in myself mm. and all those kinds of things. But I... And she, she, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and we were given this horribly necessary timeline where they sort of say to you, it's different for everyone, but it might be five years. And fast it was exactly five years from diagnosis to the end. And for a lot of that time, she had very, very good quality of life. Mm. So we were lucky. We were really, really lucky. But she was such a brave woman in that, can't help get, get teary about these things. In that time, I had two children and she didn't once shy away from letting them see what she was going through. Mm. She thought it was important not to hide illness and struggles from children. She mm. was like, they oh, will grow up to be better people if they have just been exposed to this. Like, you know, don't shove it in their face. Don't yep. take them to see you know, horrible yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she was like, this is what our family's going through and I love them and I want to be as much a part of their life as I can. Mm. And they both just knew from a really early age what death was and that, that they called her Nina because they couldn't say Nana. Mm. Um, and they, they saw her right till the end. Like the day she passed away, she held them both before mm. she passed away. Um, sorry, got to get a tissue. Yeah, you grab a tissue. The hardest thing about that for me was obviously, loved my mum, lost my yep. mum, all that kind of stuff. But I actually lost her when I was a new mum. Mm. And I, we're a very talky family in case you hadn't guessed. So we were lucky in that five years, we had a lot of closure. We, had, we mm. got to say a lot of things that we wanted to say. But what I never got to say to her, because it didn't really occur to me until slightly after she was gone was thank you for mm. everything because you really don't know until you're living it yourself what a parent has given up and put aside mm. um, and sacrificed for you and put up with 
Mm. She used to joke that I was a terrible talker and that I never stopped talking. And it wasn't until my eldest started talking mm. and never shut up from the second that he woke up till he fell asleep at night that I actually understood what she went through with me. And I just remember looking at the sky that day and going, God, I'm so sorry and thank you so much mm. for never telling me to be quiet for just mm. letting me do what I needed to do and if there was one thing that I could change about it I the whole process was she had such grace and humility and um, she was so brave and all those things and I wouldn't change my boys seeing that what I would change is them not seeing me thank her mm. you mm. know that's the only thing that I was, would change I would say thank you to her and I would say it very often and I did thank her, but not as much as mm. as I want to now as a mother. Yeah. Where where she was my biggest champion. She believed in me all the time, unconditionally, probably without good reason a lot of the time. But you know, now that I want to give that to my children, that was because of the example that she mm. set. And mm. she never once pushed me into anything I didn't want to do, but supported me in everything I did want to do. Did she give your boys any words of wisdom? The boys. Yeah. Oh, oh, one thing she used to always, always say, and this is a well-known thing in our, in our family, she was like, never hurt anyone on purpose. You'll do it by accident anyway. Mm. Don't do it on purpose. Mm. And so if they were punching each other or whatever it was, she was like, don't hurt them on purpose. It happens by accident. You don't need to do it. You know, and mm. I love that as a life saying, and we've taken it into our own family. Sorry, I probably look terrible. I'm <laughs> streaming over here. Um, and I... I genuinely think that's a good way to live. Mm. Don't climb over people, don't hurt people, don't say nasty things because you say things off the cuff and you don't even know that you've cut someone deeply. Mm. So I don't know, I just think it's I think they're good they're good words of wisdom. Yeah. My children know them. Mm. I say it to them good. all the time. Stop punching him! Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to hurt him on purpose. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I think that's a really beautiful way to live mm. in the world. She was a very compassionate woman, my mum. Do you find that you the things that you do now in life that you stop and think, what would my mum think? What would my mum say? She's a great gauge. Yeah. If I don't know, I'll say, well, what would mum think? Do you ever feel her? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Do you know when I feel her most, and this is this is getting into sort of a bit hocus pocus land, but that's, you know, each to their own. I feel her in sunsets mm. because the evening she passed away, the sky was like a blazing sunset mm. um, of purples and pinks. And, and they were her colours. She, yeah. she was a very purple, pink, floral, big flowers big kind pumps. of person. Mm. And I was driving back to the hospital and I knew. I, I, I looked at the sky and I'm going to get all teary now. Mm. This, is, this is a very personal story because people can believe whatever they like, but I believe I felt the moment she left. Mm. And I pulled up at the hospital and my sister came in with me at the car and she just looked at me and I said, I already know. Mm. I already know. Because she, she said goodbye to me. And you can believe whatever you like about that, but that's what I felt. And I see her in every purple sunset now yeah. all the time. But I feel her at other times as well. Mm. Mm. And I don't care if people think that's hocus pocus. It's For me, that was a really terrible moment but a beautiful moment and I, I feel her in glorious sunsets all the time and and it's nice because it's a joyful memory mm. very sad but mm. there's joy in that as well that you Would know she, do you think she'd be very proud of what you're doing I now think she'd be really do you know when I think she'd be proudest is so um this morning I did a segment on today's show doing um make ahead breakfasts to make life easier for busy yeah. families yeah yeah and she used to love watching cooking segments or food segments on, on morning telly. And I just, I have moments where I walk off set and I'm like, oh, she'd be so proud. <laughs> Mum would have loved that. Yeah. And it's a good judge mm. of, of whether or not I'm making interesting, good content. Mm. Would Mum like it? Yeah, she would have loved it. I'm proud of that. Where do you see yourself now then in, in five years and where will we, will we be on our TVs? Uh, look, do you forever? know what? I love doing the TV 
part of this job, but more than anything, I love um, helping people feel comfortable with food. Mm. And the TV aspect of that is great fun, but for me, it is the the biggest opportunity to remind people that food shouldn't be frightening. Mm. I think we have, um, and it would be easy to blame the media, but I don't believe it's solely the media's fault. There's a lot to do with um, society attitudes to, to working families and all this kind of stuff. But we're very divorced from our food now, and we're, a lot of people have this thing that I call kitchen anxiety mm. or food anxiety for so many reasons. Either they're so focused on eating healthy that they've forgotten to enjoy it or they're so desperate to make food that's Instagram worthy that they've forgotten that it has to taste good and be edible you know people have this real fear that if they don't plate up something that can look good on MasterChef that they're doing it wrong Wrong. Mm. and I'm a real believer that we all need to remember that the only thing food needs to do is nourish you at the end of the day and sometimes that can be fried chicken sometimes it can be salad Food shouldn't be frightening and it should be accessible. And the only way to make it accessible is to make people want to play with food and and to feel less anxious around it. Do you think you've touched such a great point there? Because I think, you know, we do see, and again, it's, I guess it all comes back to social media Mm. is, you know, these fit dads, fit mums, you know, watching what they eat, telling you that you shouldn't put this into your system and that you should only, and then so we look at menus or we look at when you're a gross calculating. is this, you know, going to put on kilos yeah. or is this, you know, like I just think we've lo- we've lost the art of loving food. And so much about food, self-regulation and everything comes down to whether or not you're enjoying yourself. Mm. Because if you can enjoy a couple of pieces of fried chicken and then go, I really enjoyed that, I was present, I was here in the moment, I had a great time, and then let it go and not sit there and eat the whole box or make yourself feel sick or then beat yourself up about eating oh, it. Oh, God, i got to go for a 10K run tomorrow yeah. because I ate two pieces of pizza yeah. last night. Yeah. It's all about balance mm. because I believe in eating healthy, but I don't believe in eating healthy to the detriment of happiness. Yep. Like food should be joyful above anything else. It should be shared and it should be joyful. It shouldn't be hidden away in a cupboard feeling guilty and yep. terrible about it. And I think when you find balance with those those things and you learn that you can have your fast food but you can also equally make an exceptional salad that not only is good for you but tastes absolutely amazing. When you find that balance, I think you're, you're more likely to find happiness. Mm. And I don't believe in restriction at yep. all, which is, you know, I exercise. That's the only thing that I can do because I eat a lot of fantastic. Because you cook a lot of food. I cook a lot of food. <laughs> I eat a lot of food. I spend a time with a lot of amazing chefs who cook exceptional food, but you can't yep. eat like that all the time and not pay a certain price. Yep. The price that I pay is I just have to exercise. And I've mm. just decided that I would rather enjoy good food and then have to exercise in a positive way, not Mm. beat myself up about it, find something that I love and do that rather than restrict myself. And I feel like that about, and actually this comes from my dad. Surprisingly, he wouldn't think of himself as a foodie person at all. He just let everyone else in the family do that. But he's he's just got this this attitude of a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything, because as soon as you start cutting things out, you feel deprived and then you go off the deep end and you have too much of it. But... And I remember having this discussion with him when I was quite young, so I would have been like early teens. And he was like, even the best thing, even the best piece of food can be bad for you if it's the only thing you eat, Jane. <laughs> and I was like, wow. that's a re-. And do you know what? I think we were reading the book of um, Mahatma Gandhi's life mm. and he was going through a phase where he was only eating like peanut butter and grapes or something and he got really sick and people were like, dude, you're not, you're not taking care of yourself. Mm. And I was like, grapes. Can grapes make you sick? And I was quite young at the time. And we had this big discussion and he, and he said to me then, he was like, you could eat salad all the time, but if it's the only thing you're eating, yeah, true. you're going to get sick. Mm. So I 
I'm very much against superfoods, by the way. I should just throw this in here now. I hate the idea of a superfood. Mm. I really dislike it because as far as I'm concerned, all foods are super if yep. you know how, how to, to use treat them properly. Them. Yeah. And I love kale, don't get me wrong, but I don't think kale's any better for you than eating another, a different type of green. I don't think it's any more super than lettuce. Yep. You know, you just have to have the variety mm. in there. And I think people get fixated on this. Um, idea of a superfood that you should have it in everything. Have chia seed in everything. Have kale in everything. Have apple cider vinegar in everything. But it's not good for you if no. you have it in huge quantities. It's about balance. Mm. What's and your um, taste good? What's your favourite dish to cook in the home? That's like asking me what which child <laughs> is my favourite child. It's almost impossible for me to say. I have some dishes that we come back to because we love them. I don't actually have a favourite food or a favourite recipe that I like to cook. I have types of food that I like to cook. Yep. And I like cooking lots of vegetable-rich things just because I think vegetables have the most extraordinary flavours that we often overlook because meats are quick and easy mm. fix. And I'm not a vegetarian and I'm not anti-meat. I just think that vegetables are sadly overlooked and, and they need champions in this world. And I, I, love, I love vegetables and my husband happens to love vegetables as well. So we do a lot of um, roast vegetable salad type meals mm. and things like that. Having said that, currently a staple in our house is oven-baked chicken nuggets that we make ourselves because the kids love them. Yep. And you can make an adult version at the same time that you're making a kid's version. So we actually made these last night and they have like a panko, which is the Japanese breadcrumbs, um, and I've made these for videos for Nine Honey a million times because everybody loves them. So check them out on Nine Honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but basically it's just chicken thigh, which is, you know, great for, for just anyone's diet, but particularly for kids because mm. it's got lots of nutrients in it and you're not, you know, they need a bit of fat in their diet and things like that. So just cut up pieces of chicken nugget, dipped in um, some whisked egg and then dipped into panko crumbs, which you can put some cheese into if you want to. We put some tasty cheese through it last night, just grated mm. up. Um, but parmesan cheese works really well or any kind of um, cheese that you can grate. Mix that through and then we we usually just put a little bit of smoked paprika through theirs and that's it. Mm. But last night we put Sichuan pepper through the adult, so we had two bowls of crumbs. And don't get your bowls mixed don't up. Don't get your bowls mixed up. And my husband and I love love Sichuan mm. pepper and we're obsessed with it at the moment putting it on everything. And last night we we're like, let's put it in the nugget crumbs. It was so, so good. Yeah. And you just, 20 minutes in the oven and you're done. And What yeah. do you have that with? Veggies? Last night we had it just with raw vegetables last okay, night because yeah, yeah. it was a very child-friendly meal aside from the spices. It was a very child-friendly meal last night. It was Sunday night. Mm. Everyone was tired. We, you know, had busy weekends with kids' birthday parties and stuff. So it was literally this is fanciest, you know, fancy food writer. This is what she has for dinner. <laughs> um, so the chicken nuggets, some um, chopped up cucumber, um, capsicum because the kids love that, and some cherry tomatoes mm. because I sort of figure fresh stuff, yep. fresh stuff is good. And the kids had chips. I had chips too. Yeah. And you know, just some chips on the side because that's. That's yeah. actually relatively balanced and it was all finger food. The kids could eat it. There was no, I don't like it, which is, you know, common with yes, any with child. I don't like it. And the push away of the plate. Um, so that was, that is, we cook that quite a lot mm. because it's easy. easy. Yeah. And it's good, you know, yeah. it's, it's good and it's got that comfort factor. Mm. But it's not deep fried, it's baked. Yeah. So, you know, you can Yum. have your sneaky treats and make them everyday food. I think people find cooking can be like a little bit daunting, can't they? Mm. Like I know in our household, when you, especially when you've got people like that work full time and you come home at six o'clock and then you go, oh, I've got to cook dinner. Yeah. And it's like, we use HelloFresh. Hello, no, okay, I love, okay, I love, I love Marley Spoon and I yeah. love HelloFresh and I love the dinner delivery services. Yeah. And there is no shame, absolutely no shame in using those because, and I think this is the genius of those ideas, and I have said this many, many times before, is they let you do the fun bit, which yes. is the cooking. They take away the mental load of planning, measuring, Going having to the grocery spices store, that you don't shop. know what to do with yep. that are leftover. Like it's all proportioned yep. and it feeds four people. There's and no they, leftovers. No leftovers, no. step by step, which some people don't like leftovers in their fridge because they just end up going to waste. 
I think that they are genius mm. because they let people get comfortable in the kitchen again and do the fun bit, which yep. is the cooking and yep. the creating. Because cooking is highly creative if you just give yourself permission to sort mm. of throw things around a bit. Mm. And I, I, I have no problem with people that use those those dinner it feels like a services. dirty word. Yeah, and I, I'm happy to say it to anyone that will listen to me because if it gives you the capacity to get back in the kitchen and experimenting, it's better than something out of a packet Yeah. because you still know what's going in it. You can modify it. Mm. You don't end up with lots of food waste. I think they're great. I really have so much respect for the people that started doing those, you know, because we used to get um, home-delivered vegetable boxes, but even then you still have to sort of look at it and decide what, what you're doing. You're and that it. is yep. the hard part for yeah. most people, either the planning or getting to the shops mm. and getting stuff. And we're also time poor. Yeah. So take out the boring bits. I'm Jane, okay with that. Thank you so much. Oh my pleasure. pleasure. Thank you for having me. I could do this all day. I know. You and I could just chat away. It's like <laughs> we've only a half an hour show, but it could be three hours by the time we finish. Thank you so much for Thanks, having me. I think, it's, I think it's lovely. And people can obviously check out all of your recipes, food on Nine Honey. Yep, ninehoney.com.au. That's where we put all our, our food stuff and our videos and our chats with fabulous chefs and professionals in the food industry. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. <laughs>